All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Our toll-free number, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I can't even believe this is a story that we'd ever have to cover. I can't believe it. Now, we have a top Iranian diplomat. You know, the same Iran, death to Israel, death to America, you know, something happened in the Trump years that, that nobody would have predicted was possible five years ago. And it happened for very specific reasons. The Biden-Obama-Iranian deal, you know, cargo planes of cash and other currency, bribing the mullahs of Iran. We didn't get, we didn't even get the right to inspect anywhere, anytime. No American inspectors were part of that deal. There were no checks and balances, just a big, fat, you know, funding for all of their terrorist activities. And, and thank God we, uh, President Trump took out Soleimani. It's the number one terrorist state in the world. We know all about Iran. Nobody would have thought that the Iranians would, uh, would pave a way for an alliance with the U.S. and with Israel and with Jordan and with Egypt and with the Saudis, and with the Emirates and others, that they would work together to, to stop Iranian aggression, Iranian hegemony in the region, and their stated goal to destroy the state of Israel and destroy America. And now I can't believe what I'm reporting. I guess John Kerry didn't really change a whole lot when he told the Senate in 1971 that his fellow Vietnam vets were a bunch of baby killers and war criminals, that was a big deal when he ran for president. And now Kerry's been caught, looks like, colluding with Iran by urging secret U.S. intelligence to tip off Iranian mullahs. They're the enemies of this country. About covert attacks by Israel, our closest ally in the Middle East. The Iranian foreign minister, Mohammad Javad Zarif, claimed in this recently leaked audio that John Kerry, when he was serving as Secretary of State during the Obama administration, informed him of more than 200 Israeli operations that were going on in Syria. Now, by the way, let's assume for a second this is all true. And we'll get to the veracity of this in a minute. Um, do you know what that does to people's lives? It puts them in immediate danger. People die as a result of being part of a covert operation. You know, one with plausible deniability. Kerry had previously been accused of colluding with Iranian leaders to undermine the Trump administration. Remember, you know, with all the talk about the Logan Act and, and all the, the issues that were brought up, you know, with the Trump-Russia collusion that never happened. Kerry's now part of the Biden administration, has a seat on the National Security Council as a special presidential envoy for climate. Kerry shocked Zarif by revealing that Israel had attacked Iranian targets in Syria more than 200 times, according to leaked audio that the New York Times and other outlets have. Now, Linda, we've we been able to get a copy of this yet? Not yet, boss, only in print. John Kerry was literally exposing our closest allies' covert operations in Syria directly to one of our biggest enemies in the world, the Iranian mullahs, to the Iranian foreign minister. 
Well, I, I, I can't even believe that anybody could betray this country on this level. After the leak becomes public, Iranian foreign ministry spokesperson didn't dispute the tape's authenticity, telling journalists that, according to a recording, represented just a portion of a seven-hour interview that Zarif gave to a well-known economist that was to be held for posterity by a, a think tank associated with the Iranian presidency. Now, you know, hearing about this, Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan took to the Senate floor to blast Kerry. I rise today on the Senate floor to call for the resignation of John Kerry. He's absolutely right. As a member of the Biden administration's National Security Council, he said the straw that broke the camel's back were these comments in this leaked audio. According to Iranian's top diplomat, Zarif, if this is true, Kerry should resign or he should get fired by the president of the United States. John Kerry's record now of undermining working families, working against the American national security interests is too much to bear. He needs to go. Lee Zeldin, you know, needs to testify before the House Foreign Relations Committee to address these allegations. If he if he leaked information on covert operations of our allies. I mean, it's it's not surprising to me based on, you know, him undermining and backdooring conversations, which Americans are not supposed to do. Remember the whole General Flynn issue. Iranian, by the way, this is at the time Marsha Blackburn said Kerry must may have to resign for colluding against with Iran against Israel. She's right. This is a serious allegation and a serious charge. And by the way, it does raise the question, how much did we drop in those cargo planes full of cash and other currency? What was it 50 billion, whatever the number was? Massive amounts of money. Why would we ever give Iranian mullahs a penny? Now, we know that Joe Biden is going back into these Iranian accord agreements, which was the dumbest deal ever in history. And as a result of Joe's appeasing the Iranians, we have American and Iranian warships having a tense encounter in the Persian Gulf earlier this month. We're just learning about it, according to NBC News. Apparently, the Iranian Navy is still harassing U.S. Coast Guard cutters in the Persian Gulf. You know, amid all this turmoil that's going on, the Iranian Guard did so with the Coast Guard vessel, the USCGC, Wrangell. According to Commander Rebecca Rabarich, spokesman for the Navy's Mideast-based Fifth Fleet, such close passes risk the idea that ships could collide at sea. And I mean, this just only can happen so many times. You know, remember, $1.3 billion transferred by Biden-Obama cash and other currency after their initial payment, the first $400 million coincided with Iran's release of American prisoners and used as leverage, officials have acknowledged. They finally acknowledged it. And this is what we're now learning. John Kerry calls to, uh, you know, faces these calls now to step down. He should step down. Dan Sullivan, Rick Scott, even Mitt Romney's called for transparency. Oh, okay. Really strong words from Mitt Romney. Now, Kerry's denying the allegations, but the New York Times is standing by its reporting. Mr. Zarif and Mr. Kerry spoke constantly when the two were negotiating 
the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal. The Iranian foreign minister said in the recording reported by the New York Times on Sunday, and they've got the tapes, that Mr. Kerry had informed him that Israel had attacked Iranian interests in Syria at least 200 times. Why did the New York Times, by the way, bury the explosive allegation in its original report? They buried it. At best, Kerry shows that, you know, it shows that Kerry's enormously irresponsibly. It's reckless. He sold out. He sold out our allies and our own interests here. Now, Iran's foreign minister leaked in the leaked tape says Revolutionary Guard set policies. So you have the most radical and the most extreme. Now, Kerry is facing calls to resign. In all of this, the actual quote is former Secretary of State John Kerry informed him that Israel had attacked Iranian interests in Syria at least 200 times to Mr. Zarif's astonishment. State Department spokesperson Ned Price on this tape said, well, I start by saying you won't be surprised to hear that we don't comment on purportedly leaked material. What are you talking about? I thought we loved whistleblowers. I guess we don't love whistleblowers anymore. Rick Rennell has weighed in on this, and, you know, he said it's incre- these allegations, I mean, if this is true, John Kerry sold out our national defense. That's what this means. You know, the Washington Post immediately came out to the rescue of John Kerry, blaming conservatives for making this even an issue. Are you kidding me? The same people that pushed the Russia hoax narrative? My, I mean, I, I'm struck by Ned Price saying that his public information, you know, that Zarif says he was astonished that Kerry would share this whole thing. Well, that would be for somebody that can't have a national security clearance and can no longer be trusted either. I mean, you bury this deep in the New York Times story. There's an article in the in the New York uh, Post today that his traitorous behavior is a disgrace. That's the headline. The rather cautious, defining feature of the Democratic Par- Party's foreign policy back at least four decades is that our friends must be bullied and our enemies must be appeased. He's right about this. Josh Hammer writes this piece. Obama encapsulated this toxic ideology, the single-minded purpose of a nuclear accord with the number one state sponsor of terror. Many of the leading hucksters were Team Obama's negotiators with Tehran. It was awful. Why would you ever give Iran cargo planes of cash and other currency? Why would you ever do that? Why would we ever... Why? What part of the, them not understanding if the Iranians are ever able to get weapons of mass destruction and, and coupling that with this convert or die madness that they believe in, based on their history as the number one state sponsor of terror, it is an unmitigated disaster for the world. Because that radical ideology, coupled with that dangerous weaponry, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to figure out how that's going to end. It's going to end very badly. 
because they're probably going to use it. And that could be mass destruction on a level we've not seen since World War II. It's a frightening scenario. I mean, just absolutely, you know, if this tape is verified, Ted Cruz said it would signal catastrophic and disqualifying recklessness of John Kerry, endangering the safety of Americans and our allies, consistent with a long pattern of empowering the Iranian regime. He's right. No other way to put it. There's not, there's no other way to put this. Tehran John Kerry. That's what we'll start calling him. And, you know, we have to, you know, get to the bottom of all this. This is now a serious, real, clear national security. Jim Garrity over at National Review. Was it the official U.S. policy to inform the Iranian government? Most certainly not an ally about the covert military actions of the Israeli government. Most certainly an ally. Was the Obama administration's initiative designed to win over the Iranians by you know, spilling the beans on the Israelis, or was John Kerry just freelancing and blurting out whatever he had been told in classified meetings? If it was a conservative, that conservative would go to jail. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. This is interesting, because I've been telling you that the real Speaker of the House is Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Well, she says in New York she's ready to endorse candidates running for 51 city council seats this year, but only if they back her leftist agenda. And politicians who want the endorsement uh, and they've got to fill out an extensive questionnaire that asks if they back slashing the NYPD's budget by three billion. It's only five billion a year, a little over five billion a year. She asks if they're for abolishing the Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, completely, a law that would bar turning over illegal immigrants accused of crimes to any federal authorities to be deported, any federal crimes. That would even include violent crimes or crimes against kids. Anyway, all all, crimes to federal authorities, any you can't that want to enforce it. Bar turning over illegal immigrants accused of crimes. AOC's uh, Courage to Change PAC, as she calls it, as if they would accept campaign contributions from real estate, fossil fuel interests, law enforcement associations, PACs, headed by profit-making entities. When voters see a candidate is endorsed by Courage to Change, they know the candidate is people-funded, committed to grassroots, supports Policies that prioritize working class New Yorkers and on and on and on. You want the endorsement? You got to fill out the questionnaire by May 10th. Let me fill that out fast so we can get that in as quickly as possible. How does USA Today not get called out for literally editing this op-ed of Stacey Abrams that she published before Major League Baseball pulled the game? They watered down her support of the boycott. 77%, this is the poll I was referring to in the last half hour, of Americans, Fox News poll, supporting, requiring photo ID for voting. Okay, that's 77%. How could it be any other way? Should valid photo ID be required? 77%. 
It's been fairly consistent since 2016. Even going back, it was 80% in 2012. Fox News poll voter ID. Democrats only 60%, right? To support it. Of course, Democrats think it's back. By the way, earmarks are back thanks to Senator Leahy. You know, earmarks, funding, money, earmarks capped at 1% discretionary spending. Of course, they want that. Congressional uh, job approval number now 30%. 30%. That's an unmitigated disaster. I was a little surprised by this announcement. Doug Collins is a friend of the program, former Georgia GOP congressman, is not going to run for either governor or for the Senate. So it looks like it's, you know, I think Herschel would be great for the Senate. We had, but who was it? Vernon was on, uh, he's running for governor against Kemp. That's going to be an interesting primary to watch. So we'll see that. Listen, what's going to happen in 2022 is going to be the bellwether of all bellwethers. Now, they do, in fact, think that the that, uh, in fact, Republicans are five seats away and they will have a majority of the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi will be out. Then Republicans would have to pick who they want to be the Speaker of the House. And then the Senate races, this is a bellwether in 2022. You got Marco Rubio running in Florida. You've got, looks like, hopefully, I think he'd be a great candidate, Herschel Walker in Georgia against Warnock. Then you have North Carolina. Senator Burr's seat is wide open. Lord Trump's name is mentioned, along with McGrory, other people. The lieutenant governor, who we liked a lot, didn't seem that open to it, but I think he'd do a good job. New Hampshire, it looks like Governor Sununu would probably be the likely candidate there, who I think would win in New Hampshire. And you've got Ron Johnson, who's probably the Democrats' number one target in Wisconsin. Not sure who's going to run yet in Ohio, but I'd give the nod, the edge to the Republicans in Ohio. And then Arizona, I don't know who's going to run out there. We'll have to wait and see. Should be interesting. But, you know, now now it's the biggest choice election ever. Because now you see the radicalism of the left, which we have been exposing every single day. It's like everything Democrats now, I, it used to be their old playbook. We'll get into this in the next hour in more detail. But everything now, if you support Georgia's voting law, which is far more inclusive than Delaware, well, that's uh, Jim, Jim Crow 2.0, you're racist. If you oppose D.C. statehood, you're racist. You oppose the, abolishing the legislative filibuster. Some are saying that's racist. If you, if you tie anything if you call it the Wuhan virus, the China virus, whatever, well, that, that too is racist. I don't know what it means if you say German measles still. Uh, there's plenty of diseases. We've covered that in, in a lot of detail. If you support stop and frisk, which helped Rudy Giuliani and the NYPD reduce murder rates from near 3,000 to just a few hundred, well, that's racist. Closing the border, that's racist. Uh, building a border wall is racist. You can build a wall to protect congressmen and women. Interesting. They built that one pretty damn fast. Uh, or if you support anything Donald Trump at all, racist. Just goes on and on and on. And we're going to get into it. We're going to get an update. Things at the border have not gotten better at all. And, of course, the battle of the police. I mean, we played this last night, these videos of funny but sad at the same time. 
You know, hang on, guys, please stop. Yeah, if you don't mind, please stop stabbing each other. Hang on, let me call LeBron James and see what he thinks. Okay, so yeah, we're in a situation. Well, I'm just trying to get your advice. I would like somebody in the media ask LeBron James if it was your daughter, the girl that was in pink in that Ohio case, pinned to a car, loaded up a knife clearly in this other girl's hands, about to stab your daughter. What do you want the cop to do then? What option do you give him? What option? How does he protect your daughter? I, I, they, you just can't get a straight answer. And it's just sad that so many people just rush to judgment. There's no apology. They don't go dox the cop. There's a drug dealer. That, I read this. Shot by North Carolina Police Department. He had 180 pages long a rap sheet. How do you get 180 pages long rap sheet? You know, well, that goes to the Nobel madness and insanity. Anyway, an extensive criminal record, rap sheet, 180 pages long, uh, vehicular traffic rerouted in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Family of Andrew Brown Jr. were to be shown a body cam footage of his fatal shooting. I haven't seen it yet myself. Anyway, African-American man fatally shot sheriff's deputies as they executed a warrant. Described as a drug dealer, had a criminal rap sheet of 180 pages long, dating back to 1988. Career criminal. Why is he out on the street? Uh, you know, just simple questions. By the way, did you see that brawl that took place in Miami? I couldn't believe it. Apparently, they they had three standby seats only available. The first group of four was at the counter. The next group of three... You know, eyewitness said there was some back and forth with the agent. The agent asked first they were going to offer three seats to the four people, but they didn't have it for all four of them. And then offered the three seats to the next group of three that wanted to go. The first group of four people at the counter and the next group of three people exchange words. That leads to pushing and shoving and fists flying. I mean, come on. Everyone's got to chill out. Interesting poll that came out that I saw, CBS, YouGov, 70% of African-Americans support the police. Tyler Perry made these comments at the Oscars the other night. All of a sudden, the clapping stopped. I like to love everybody. And he gets to the police, then the clapping stops. I, you know, wh who are you going to call if, God forbid, somebody breaks into your house? Who do you call? You know, I, I mean, what are you going to do for yourself? And your family. How do you protect your children? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect the loved one? These are important questions. Daily Caller pointed out the Black Lives Matter co-founder jail reform group dropped 26 grand at a luxury Malibu Beach resort. It's nice. I hope they had a good time. Can't make some of this stuff up, but it's all real. 26,000 at a luxury Malibu Beach resort. I'm sure they were Planning a lot of protesting there. Um, Minnesota corrections officer on leave after video shows confrontations with protesters. Kenosha police chief pushing back on protesters mad at return to work. And it's just a mess. Nobody's going to want to be a cop anymore. Why would you want to be a cop? Why? Elizabeth City, North Carolina, under a state of emergency. Protesters throwing rocks at police, gathering around the DA's home, demanding charges. About 20 seconds of the body cam video was shown to the family of this guy, Andrew 
Brown Jr. I, I think the biggest issue here is with that type of track record, why is somebody with that long a rap sheet, a, a career criminal, still on the street? Because that's what we're talking about here. We have to ask these questions and say, well, how did that happen? Somebody, you know, how does that happen? Why does that happen? I haven't seen the body cam video, so I can't weigh in intelligently on that. And if you can even, if they even have the entire thing from an angle that you can ascertain what's going on. It's uh, unbelievable. There is some truth being exposed on Biden's 100 days. I love how the Washington Post fact-checking department decided to close down. Why? Because they can't go after Donald Trump, of course. It's the most partisan presidency ever. Did you hear that Biden now has tapped Andrew Cuomo to lead the COVID conference calls with governors? (laughs) Yeah, let's pick the guy that did the worst job. Let's hire him for this. You're in charge. He now leads the weekly COVID-19 advisory calls with the nation's governors. Well, he could have picked Governor DeSantis. Just a thought. Why is there not a nationwide stay-at-home order? Well, look, I think we're in a position where I think every state is going to have to be moving in that direction. And uh, um, it demonstrates that it does bend that curve a little bit. It does increase the prospects that fewer people are going to catch the virus. And the answer is I, I don't fully know. We've been leaving it to the governors. Thank God the governors have been moving. Your governor in New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. Yeah, he's the gold standard. Okay. Standards are not that high. It's now official out in California. Gavin Newsom will face a recall vote. There are two questions on the ballot. It's a process that now moves forward. Uh, The only name so far mentioned, Caitlyn uh, Jenner. I got got a call from Caitlyn Jenner after that big interview with Diane Sawyer. And all the, you know, on when that happened at the time, it was huge news. And he heard me talking about it on the program and he called me. I had interviewed Caitlin many years before. It was a funny conversation. He goes, Sean, he goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He goes, you don't want to know what shocked Diane Sawyer the most? And you would think, okay, at that time it was very big news. I'm like, well, I don't know what shocked her the most. She couldn't believe I'm a Republican and a conservative. It was a pretty funny line. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Rick Grinnell, also a friend of this program, that he might get in this race. And they basically have two votes, and Gavin Newsom would need to survive the, the first vote that people would have. Do you think that he should be recalled? They'll send out all these ballots. I'm not sure if I trust what goes on in California on any level. Americans are fleeing these Democratic states, and it's giving Republicans more seats in Congress. It's all good. Texas, Florida, North Carolina, they're all gaining seats. You know, then you've got Texas is getting two congressional seats, Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, Montana, Oregon gaining one, mostly red states, New York, California, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, each losing a seat. First time in 170-year history, California, the most populous state, has lost a congressional seat. First time in 170 years. 
I think you can probably blame Gavin Newsom for that. If you disagree with a Democrat, you must be a racist. It's not every two and four years now, the Democratic playbook, they're expanding it out on everything. We're going to meet an officer tonight on Hannity, too. When we come back, we'll tell you about this other thing. But Dion Joseph, he wrote a letter to LeBron James. He's going to join us. It's going to get very interesting. Also, Mike Pompeo on this John Kerry issue. Dan Bongino's back. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Laura Trump, Monica Crowley, Leo 2.0, 9 Eastern. Oh, good show for you tonight as well. When we come back, also your calls and the other news of the day straight ahead. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So we've always exposed on this program what the Democratic playbook is. And, and I know some of you say, well, Hannity, you repeat yourself because you need to know what they're doing. And it's so divisive. What, what's like the worst thing you can say about somebody? You can call them a racist. And every two years, every four years, we have laid out the history of Democrats. Republicans got the wrong agenda for African-Americans, and they don't even want to count you in the census. Al Gore screamed or, you know, when he didn't shift into, you know, preacher mode. Uh, OK, so Republicans are racist. What's another thing you don't want to be called the sexist? A misogynist every two, four years. That's what they that's the playbook that you're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. Now you can add transphobic to it. They want dirty air and dirty water. Obama actually said their plan is for dirty air and dirty water. Well, it might shock people. I'm a conservative. I'd like to drink clean water and breathe clean air. Uh, and we should be good stewards of of God's gifts to all of us. And then, of course, uh, Republicans want to put grandma and grandpa uh, first. They should for a year in their final year of life, eat only dog food and cat food. And then some Republican is going to put them in a wheelchair and throw them over the cliff so they can die. That's the playbook. But now it's gotten and now now it's pretty much everything. You know, meanwhile, Georgia's voting law is far more inclusive than Joe Biden's Delaware, which we have covered. 17 days early in-person voting. It has it has drop boxes. Yes, both. And by the way, there's no early voting in in Delaware. You need to give a reason if you want an absentee ballot in Delaware. Both states have voter ID laws. How does he call this Jim Crow 2.0? Anyway, if you opposed Georgia's voting law, opposition to D.C. statehood, opposition to ending the legislative filibuster or or if you dare to say that it's the, you know, I guess we can't say German measles anymore, because if you if you ever say, you know, tie China, the Wuhan virus, the China virus. Oh, that that's racist too. stop and frisk is racist. Closing the border is racist. Uh, bo- you want to build a border wall? That's racist. Trump's immigration policies, it just never ends. So I, we put a compilation together. Listen, and it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. One of my House Republican colleagues said that D.C. shouldn't be a state because the district doesn't have a landfill. (laughs) My goodness, with all the racist trash my colleagues have brought to this debate, I can see why they're worried about having a place to put it. Senator McConnell, who was working in the Senate at that time as an intern, if I'm not mistaken, must remember the filibuster being used against a civil rights bill. And to say that the filibuster has no racial history at all, none, 
is to ignore the obvious. We are not behaving well when we talk about, as the president does every day, the Chinese virus, the Wuhan flu, and all of these racist uh, descriptions. I think uh, the systematic, uh, I think overtly racist use of stop and frisk was an abject failure. Uh, and it's been proven now for years and years. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to uh, and fear-mongering to lead the way instead of science. And I demand that the president end his temper tantrums and quest for a racist and xenophobic wall. Do you think that people who support President Trump and his immigration policies are racist? Anyone who supports this is supporting racism. You're right, he didn't get the facts right on that, was that empty barrels make the most noise. And he was using that, he was likening that to you. Basically that you're... you're I think that's a, that's a racist term, too. I, I'm thinking about that when uh, we looked it up in the dictionary because I had never heard of an empty barrel. All right, joining us now, we bring back uh, Horace Cooper, co-chair of the Black Leadership Network Project 21, Reverend Heavyfoot C.L. Bryan. I never got a ticket because I convert every cop to Jesus when they pull me over. Uh, I get out of tickets by invoking the name of of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Uh, (laughs) Welcome back, Reverend. By the way, I bet you got a lot of reaction to our last radio program, didn't you? Oh, yes, Sean. There's no question about it. And thank you for that. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, I got to be honest, there's a part of me that just admires the hell out of it because it's but I know it's it's genuine. That's who you are. You're that guy that would, you know, officer. Can I can I pray with you? I can see you doing that to everybody because you've done it to me. I mean, well, glory to God, Sean. And hey, listen, there's much hope for you, and there's room at the cross, no doubt for you, Sean. Hannah. Yeah, look, I'm one of the Christians <laughs> that needs the saving part. You know, I'm not. I'm not the great Christian. I got to get better and better. I'm the one that needs Jesus more and more. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate you both being back. What's your reaction, Reverend, when you hear that tape? You know, Sean, the more I listen to the narrative that's going on, the more it makes me angry that they believe black people are stupid enough to believe that uh, Democrats are the answer for them. And they believe that black people are, stup- are too stupid to get a voter ID. I don't know anybody personally, Sean, black or white, that doesn't have an ID in this country. And the, the, the politics and the racism of low expectations is the problem that Democrats have presented to America about black people for the last 60 years. They've always wanted to use us as mascots and pat us on the heads and tell us that we can't succeed unless they hold our hands and guide us. They didn't do that to the Italians. They didn't do that to the Jews. They didn't do that to anybody that came here. They want to do that to us. And we're tired of being the the, the poster children for liberal causes. And besides that, Sean, the 60s and 70s are calling, and they want their causes back. Because the Democrats are beating them to death. It's a dead horse. We've moved on from that. The past is the past. Let's focus on our future. I believe, Reverend, with all my heart and soul, that God created every man, woman, and child, and that everybody has certain gifts. And the difference between the, the, in the human experience is the propensity for good and evil. 
Like I would argue that God gave us both a gift or maybe a curse of a big mouth, and you're just better at it than I am because I've never been able to talk my way out of a ticket like you. But, um, I, but I think most Americans agree with that. Well, you know, I, 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 with all my heart, as a as a aspiring Christian, you know, wanting to be better, that that's the fact, Horace Cooper. Well, first, let me just say this: if we had more uh, field variants in America, America would in fact be a glorious place. And no, I if we had more C.L. Bryant's, the speed everything. limit would go up and we could drive faster legally. Well, you know, here in Texas, it is already 85, so I don't know how much faster it could go. Oh, uh, really, the by the way, thing, that really sucks hearing that because it's 55 in New York. It sucks to hear that. Yeah, well, I find that not everybody's willing to even go the speed limit here. <laughs> 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 when you set it high enough, <laughs> it becomes an aspirational goal. But let me say this. I don't understand why our president didn't say, instead of talking about Jim Crow 2.0, why didn't he just say, I know Jim Crow. Jim Crow is a friend of mine, and 2021 is not Jim Crow. Because that's the truth. His record, his legacy, he's the one that needs to be explaining and not telling people who live their lives today that they need to live in the same kind of fear and the same kind of apprehension that existed 70 plus years ago. It's his legacy and his party's responsibilities that need to be reexamined, not America in 2021. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And I think Horace brings up a good point, Reverend, and that is that if Donald Trump had the record of praising segregationists and praising the former Klansmen and partnering with the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act 64, Voting Rights Act 65, and boy, people in the Democratic Party, they forget Lyndon Johnson needed all the Republicans that he got because, uh, you know, people like uh, Joe Biden's uh, KKK friend were nowhere to be found. Then partnering to stop integration in schools doesn't want our schools to become his words of racial jungle. If any of that happened, would any Republican ever get elected with that history? I doubt it. Absolutely not, Sean. And, you know, it's an excellent point. You bring up Horace because it was Joe Biden and his friend, Robert KKK Bird, who did, in fact, know Jim Crow. I know Robert KKK Bird knew him because he wore the sheet upholding Jim Crow. There's no question about it. And Joe Biden eulogized him glowingly at his funeral. So the hypocrisy that they are putting and presenting before the American people, particularly black people, is the same old mess that they have been leading us to a place of codependency on them for a long time. What Donald Trump did, he came along and he actually set us free again because he unleashed American business. He unleashed American prosperity. He unleashed black business in this country. I was on his board, Black Voices for Trump. And let me tell you something. There was not a time that I have seen black folks more energized in the entrepreneurial arena 
than they were when Donald John Trump was president of the United States. Depression has set in again among black businesses, black businessmen, American businesses, and American businessmen. And it's all because, voters, you better not forget this, it's all because of who is in the Oval Office, even though I'm not calling him president. People are going to go after you for that, by the way, but we allow freedom of speech on this program. You know, let me just say this, and I think this is important. I don't think, Horace, that government's going to solve issues. You can see that this is their playbook. You know, if you oppose any policy, now it's racist, just like every two years, every four years. Now it's like every day. And I think the only way I have this little idea of mine, but what do I know? But, you know, that and and pastor, you can weigh in on this. You ever notice, like, in cities and towns, they have Christian churches, and one church is predominantly African-American, one is predominantly Hispanic-American, one is predominantly white-American. What if the churches adopted each other and they would join each other's congregation, like, once a month? And, well, one month you come to our place, one month I will go to your church. Bad idea? Good idea? I think it's a- Let me just tell you, 2021 has already caught up with your idea. And overwhelmingly, instead of our separate congregations of race gathering, increasingly in America, when you see the church, the church looks like all of the people that God's interested in. As I said, if uh, Reverend Bryant, if there were more like him out there, there would be better people in America. There would be fewer polluters, fewer criminals. Fewer people who are dead beat dead because they would understand and accept their responsibility to do the moral and upright thing. The problem here is government often isn't interested in us being better people. Government is interested in featherbedding more government jobs. The problem solvers in America continue to succeed as long as they can identify problems. When problems get fixed, there's no need for them, and they know it. Reverend, what do you, you know, think of idea? You know, Sean, still the most segregated hour in America is on Sunday mornings. And the problem is that we don't have any problem with Christ. What, pro- what Americans or what people have problem with is Christians. Christians many times, and Gandhi said this, I like your Christ. Uh, I think he's a wonderful personality. And it amazes me how much you all are not like him. That's the problem, is that we wave the Christian banner in this country. We talk about Christianity and how we should be. But people don't have problems with our Christ. They have problems with Christians, with people who call themselves Christians. And the the thing that has happened in the black community in particular is that black people have been led astray in too many cases by Christian pastors, black Christian pastors, who promised them that the person they should vote for would help them. But that only led them to more bondage. That has been the problem in the most segregated era, uh, time in American history, or in America, on Sunday mornings, and that is the church. The church stand up, the church speak up, and understand that from one blood, God made all of us who are here on this earth to dwell upon it, where he determined where we would live our lives. I think that's where it's going to happen. Reverend, I'm, I'm, I'm deputizing you. You can lead the effort. Uh, 
Always love having you both on. Horace Cooper, thank you, my friend. Reverend C.L. Bryant, thank you, my friend. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Want to know how corrupt your mob in the media is? Washington Post, 100 days, Biden, all his lies that we've chronicled. You know, he got blown over by the wind is my favorite. Well, climbing up Air Force, uh, up to Air Force One. And then, of course, yeah, it wasn't emergency COVID relief. I mean, just so many lies we've been told. Uh, Biden's education secretary, by the way, pushed teachers to accept this new woke curriculum at his old job in uh, Connecticut as an educator, education commissioner. Biden's education secretary, Miguel Cardona, wrote in 2019 in an email that he wanted to take steps to ensure teachers were supportive of the new, quote, woke curriculum that the state was implementing and that they were tasked with this new this new curriculum. Uh, We need teachers behind this wave of our curriculum becoming more woke. I mean, can we just focus on after you teach the kids to read and write and do math and learn computers, can we then, once they master that, maybe a foreign language or two, um, then can we move to the woke stuff? Because they, they're inundated with it everywhere. It's unbelievable. What's the name of this Condé Nast? Do you ever, do you ever shop there, this website? Or I, don't, I don't know. Epicurious is a food and cooking website owned by them. Do you know about that, Linda? Yeah, that's a, well, Condé Nast is a is actually a conglomerate of a bunch of different types of travel magazines. All right. So they're banning beef to promote a more sustainable planet. Quote, beef won't appear in in their recipes, their articles or newsletters. It will uh, not show up on our homepage. It will be absent from our Instagram feed. The website said, why are we attacking beef? You know, there are people, I, I know it's fashionable to say, well, we're going to stop the pipeline and we're not going to frack and it's the lifeblood of the economy. Okay, when, you want, when you're paying four or five, six bucks a gallon for gas and a fortune to heat and cool your home, tell me that this worked out well. By the way, we mentioned in the last half hour all the examples of attacks. If you disagree with any liberal, you're a racist. It's, not, it's no longer every two and four years. Now it's like every day. Over there at MSDNC, Joy Reid compared Ron DeSantis to George Wallace. Well, Florida's Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, rolling out his new anti-protest law last week. What he didn't say in that press conference is that the new law grants civil immunity to motorists who just happen to hit protesters in the streets with their cars, effectively absolving those drivers of civil liability. Now, when we covered that news on this program last week, I compared DeSantis to former Alabama Governor George Wallace. Now, it's a comparison that I've made to Donald Trump in the past. But whereas Trump talked a lot like George Wallace, even using violent rhetoric against protesters at his rallies, DeSantis is actually governing like the former Alabama governor. I mean, uh, how do people get away with that? And then you want to talk about more corruption in the mob and the media. USA Today actually edited out Stacey Abrams' op-ed published before Major League Baseball pulled the game in Atlanta because and the revision in USA Today scrubs the line, I can't argue with an individual's choice to opt for their competition. In other words, Stacey Abrams cost the state of Georgia, helped cost the state of Georgia $100 million 
when Georgia's voting laws are far more inclusive than Joe's Delaware, which he's represented for close to a thousand years, apparently. Over at Simon & Schuster. And they published my last book. It was only a one-book deal. I had no problem. I liked the people that we work with, Linda. They were great. They were very nice people. Awesome people. Yeah, I don't have any problems. I, I don't know why they did what they did to Josh Hawley. Apparently, there are other employees there that have, and they've they've had a lot of anti-Trump books. They've they've a number of them have been big bestsellers. Well, it's cool. It's cool to be anti-Trump. Okay, everybody but, wants to curry favor. That's what it comes down to. But these employees are so triggered, they're they're demanding and putting out petitions to the publisher to stop any deal with any Trump administration official. The late, latest being Mike Pence. Now, to the credit, I guess, of the CEO. He didn't cave this time. By the way, back to the Stacey Abrams thing. There is a Fox News poll. 77% of Americans require voter ID for voting. 77%. How does USA Today, how do they get away with just editing out Stacey Abrams' support for all of this? I, and I'm, I'm, how do they water down her justification for boycotts of her own state? Oh, because it's now going to hurt her politically? Man, by the way, it's official. The California recall is on. Uh, we're going to interview some of the candidates hopefully soon about that. We'll look to move forward. I mean, it's just we're getting really it's, it's getting bad out there. I wonder if there will be a backlash. There has to be a backlash to cancel culture. Did you notice what was the actor's name? That when he started saying, I'm going to love everybody, and then goes through the list, and the crowd is clapping and says, I love the police. I'm going to love the... Yeah, it was Tyler Perry. That's right. I actually saw an interview with him. What a powerful, powerful, motivational speaker, Christian, great guy. But just refuse hate. Don't hate anybody. I, I, I refuse to hate someone because they are Mexican or because they are black or white. Or LBGTQ. I refuse to hate someone because they are a police officer. I refuse to hate someone because they are Asian. I would hope that we would refuse hate. And well, the clapping stops. Well, there is a poll out, by the way, that 70% of African Americans support the police. This was released on Sunday. I mean, but you think about it. Who doesn't want to live in a safe neighborhood? Who doesn't want law and order? We want our kids to live in in these cities and towns where, you know, there's shooting zones every day. Nobody wants that. Nobody that loves their kids certainly wants that. Why would you ever want that? Anyway, LeVar Burton said he'd like to become the full-time Jeopardy host, defends cancel culture as a consequence culture. Uh, did, Did you see my interview with Dana White last night? I got I mean, a lot of calls about that interview. Yeah. Good for Dana White. He brings back, oh, he, he built Fight Island in Abu Dhabi so that, so he never fired a single worker during the pandemic, nor did we. We went out at Linden. We'd not go out of our way to make sure everybody was okay, everybody's family's okay. We, we, we look out for our family here. Yes, we do. And, even though it's a very dysfunctional family, if we're going to be blunt and honest. I'm All sure. families are dysfunctional. <laughs> That's true. And good for him when he said, you know, uh, to the Vegas Review Journal, F off. 
I'm, I'm bringing, I'm trying to help you restart your economy. This is a tourist-based economy. People aren't going to Vegas. That means dealers aren't working. Chefs aren't working. Waiters and waitresses and bartenders, they're not working either. The people that clean the rooms aren't working. There's a lot of people suffering out there. And he's trying to do his part. How you're going to kill people. Everybody now knows. Don't give me this crap. Everybody knows about masks. Everyone knows about social distancing. Everybody knows the vaccines available pretty much now to anyone. If you're over 16, everybody knows what level of risk they want to take. Look, my attitude is, you know, do your studying, know the science to the best that we can even say we have science involved in any of this because they've gotten so much wrong. The great Dr. Fauci has been wrong so often. And the only thing I would ask everyone is to be considerate of other people, especially older people. Those with compromised immune systems, comorbidities, grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad. So that if, you know, at this point, I would assume that they're probably vaccinated. At least they have the opportunity to get it. And if they didn't, if they, ch- that's another thing. Why do you have to answer the question? Well, have you gotten your vaccine yet? Which vaccine did you get? How about it's none of your business? How about, well, what do you mean you're not going to get vaccinated? How about that's a choice between an individual and a doctor? I'm very pro-science. I'm not anti-vaccine, but I'm also medical. I also am a libertarian believer in medical privacy. It's unbelievable. Everyone wants to know. It's like everyone now, I'll tell you, I probably would have told people my decision until everyone started demanding that I tell them what my decision is. Well, my advice to everybody is research long and hard on, on everything you can get your hands on and you can read the medical literature, then I would look at your special and unique medical conditions, your health, uh, and talk to the doctor, doctors that, that take care of you or doctor doctors that you respect in life and make an informed decision. And that is, that, that's got to be an individual decision. And there, are there people that have had reaction to the vaccines? Yep. Should you read about that, too? Yes, you should read it all. You know, I'm not. How do I how can I possibly weigh in on whether everybody needs to be vaccinated? I don't know people's individual medical conditions. That is not my decision. That's your decision. You have the right to make your own decision. You can take whatever level of risk you might want to take. I just ask gently think of other people. And especially the those that would be more susceptible for the worst outcome in all of this. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, more of wokeness and other news and Joe's yeah disincentive to actually get up and go to work every day. Now let's get back to this, you know, disincentive to work in America that is now being created with government bailouts. Biden's stimulus checks. Did you know, have you been following what's happening here? This is pretty amazing. Job openings and postings are, are increasing. Uh, There is an issue with the number of applications as the labor participation currently stands at 61.4 percent, unemployment rate of 6.2 percent. People apparently now not applying for jobs as they should as they should be, as they are collecting stimulus checks and enjoying, at least temporarily, although some on the left have suggested that people get unemployment in perpetuity, 
and enjoying a work-free lifestyle, well, uh, okay, but there are other people actually working hard and paying for that. So you really need to get back to work if you can get back to work. Anyway, many jobs available, manufacturing, trade, transportation, logistics, the professional sector. Latest comments, Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City provided a chilling insight into the labor shortage developing at manufacturing firms like in cities like Denver, Oklahoma City, Omaha, Nebraska. Quote, stimulus and increased unemployment money are reeking are, are literally wrecking, not reeking, wrecking the labor pool. Low-level employees are quitting to make just as much money not working. Yeah, that was something we warned about very early on. That's, that's not a good thing. Now they're about to announce the Biden administration, the largest summer food program in U.S. history. Okay, I'm all in favor of taking care of people that need our help. But uh, at some point, we got a problem here. If you have more people on the cart than can pull the cart, you, you know, liberalism, redistributionism is great until you run out of other people's money. Corn prices now touched an eight-year high. Now we're worried about food inflation, worried about energy shortages. Now that we're, we have artificially reduced the supply of energy worldwide by getting away from energy independence that Donald Trump achieved for the first time in 75 years. And we also, in the process, laid off tons of people that had high-paying career jobs in the energy sector, and there will be more firings to follow. Tell me, tell me why that makes sense in any way. That's a new tax for every American. Every time you fill up the tank, every time you put on heat in your home or air conditioning in your home, you're paying more. You can thank Uncle Joe for allowing that to happen. Um, anyway... You have one network begging the Coke network, Joe Biden, to import more foreign workers to take U.S. jobs. Are you kidding me? Larry Kudlow said Biden's assault on investment is greatly going to damage the middle class and stifle the economic boom. There's a very high percentage of people. I'm not a big stock market guy. I'm just not. You know, Hannity, you got to invest in this stock. I usually my eyes roll over. I have friends that have been telling me about Bitcoin since day one. I just don't have the appetite for it, but I'm happy that some of my friends have done well. I'm I'm like, wow, that's up to 60 bucks, 62. I told you at at, at 7,000. Why didn't you do it then? I'm like, I, I just don't have the appetite for it. You have to be of a certain mindset to do this stuff. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a, a part of the program. Uh, we're going to get some calls in. We have our news roundup uh, hour coming up as well. We'll get an update on the border. Then we'll get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour, and your calls coming up. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, all right, to get an update on the border... I- the crisis is still continuing. It's actually getting worse, according to our sources, on the ground every single day. It's getting worse. All of this is going to result in, at a time we can ill afford it, Americans, uh, I mean, everybody that Joe is now, he's, he's not complying with the law. He's aiding and abetting law breaking. That's what sanctuary states and cities also do. And, you know, if I ever break the law, if I jaywalk, I'll probably be put in jail for 30 years. 
I mean, it's just the way I, our justice system works. If you're a Democrat, you're a liberal, you get away with everything. You're a conservative, you get the book thrown at you. It's pretty sad. Uh, so Kamala Harris, 30 whatever many days now, she can't wait to get to Guatemala. I'm like, well, why don't you get to the border and take a tour of the border? Over the years, I've done it, you know, 13, 14 times. From the Rio Grande through San Diego, through drug warehouses, packed floor to ceiling, to tunnels, to actually doing interviews and being out there in the field while gang members were arrested. And then also families crossing. In the middle of an interview with former Texas Governor Rick Perry, you know, an entire family crossed the Rio Grande. We were doing the interview. Like, you know, 20 feet away. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. All right, Kamala Harris. We have to let immigrants know they that if they stay, there's there's help on the way. So we're going to take taxpayer money and try and bribe other countries with massive payoffs so that their citizenry won't make the perilous journey to America? We don't have the money for this. Saying the migrant crisis won't be solved overnight. Well, not, not at the pace you and Joe roll at, no. And then blaming Trump for the whole thing. They're the ones that stopped border wall construction. They're the ones that ended stay in Mexico policy. They're the ones that brought back catch and release or just release, barely catch anything unless you're a kid. Then you're throwing in one of Joe's overcrowded cages. Many daycare center ever look like what we've seen down at the border. Kids living on top of each other in the middle of a pandemic. I can guarantee you it would be shut down immediately and the owners and the operators would be put in jail. Rightly so. Joining us now, Mark Morgan, friend of the program, former acting uh, commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, now with the Heritage Foundation as a visiting fellow. Uh, Okay, you you, you listen to Kamala. You see Joe has done nothing. They, They won't even admit barely that it's a crisis. I've never seen anything like this. Imagine if Donald Trump were building more and more and more cages for these kids in the middle of a pandemic and the images that we've seen. What what do you think the media reaction and Democratic Party reaction would be to that, Mark Morgan? Yeah, Sean, absolutely. Look, and and I was part of that. I I, I just laugh sometimes when I I see the the current administration and the softball questions. I've been there. I've stood at the the podium at the White House, and I can tell you, Sean, you know that. We've talked before. There's no way. I I never had a softball question uh, lobbied at me. It's absolutely a joke what's going on. And and Vice President Harris, look, Sean, there's not enough time on your radio show to unpack the spin, the misdirection, and blatant lies. I mean, when when she talks about that, that basically, uh, um, we pull out the Northern Triangle countries uh, that they have to rebuild. So you know that that is a blatant lie, and and I can't believe the media is not calling on her. Look, hope hope is not a strategy. We cannot rely on other countries, even though we we have to uh, partner with them. But we cannot rely on other partners to to fix our broken immigration system, to close the loopholes and incentives that this administration is causing and that our broken immigration system causes. Hope is not a strategy. We're not even close to what will likely be the height of of this migration into the U.S., are we? Sean, again, you're absolutely right. But we still have about two and a half months of peak immigration uh, season that we, we, we normally encounter. But look, th- this is 
not normal, because normally what we're seeing before the crisis of 2019, which, by the way, we were honest with the American people and we called for what it is, is now that we're dealing with unaccompanied minors and families, is, is that all seasonal norms are, are off the chart, and that the smugglers and the migrants they, themselves, they know what's going on with our policy better than most Americans do. And they know that right now, if you come to the border as an unaccompanied minor, you're going to be released. If you come as a family, you're going to be released. But here's, here's what's key, Sean. Here's what your listeners need to know. It's more than that they're going to be released into the interior United States. That's the front end. We're building the, the welcoming centers. It's what they're doing also on the back end. They've removed 90% of ISIS enforcement authorities on the back end. So now everybody that we're seeing be released into the United States, we know that we will never hear from them again, and they're going to be allowed to stay here illegally because they prevented and prohibited ICE from actually lawfully removing them, creating a sanctuary country on the back end. That's where we're at right now. I mean, you think of all the hard work that you and, and all the people that were building the wall that, and all the, we were able to secure the border and get things under control. And, and then you see not only that, then you have states like New York giving up to $15,000 to illegal immigrants. Now, this is on top of whatever services, be it they're using the school system or uh, whatever other services they may uh, be using that that is taxpayer funded. I mean, I mean, I think I believe in merit based immigration. But first and foremost, I think the law needs to be followed. We're a nation of laws. If they don't like the laws, they can't ignore the laws and they can't facilitate law breaking. And if you don't like the immigration laws, they ought to change it, or at least attempt to. But they're doing it all by executive fiat and by ignoring the law, which I don't think would work out very well for me or you, Mark Morgan. Um, but Sean, then- a- a- amen. A- amen. I-, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it is that simple. Look, I- I've been I've been serving this country for 35 years, six administrations, Republican, Democrat. This is not a right or left thing. This is an American thing. This is a, a rule of law thing, just as you said. And and look, I'll-, I'll be the first one in line that if Congress does what they should be, and if they change the law, then, then I'll support that law. But look, you, you have. You have proposals like the one Cinema and, and, and Cornyn are trying to put forward that, that doesn't address the, the, the root cause of, of the broken immigration system. It's just going to help this administration release and process those of the illegal in the country faster and continue to reward them. Instead, what he should be doing is rolling up his sleeves and addressing the poor settlement agreement, which limits our ability to detain. TVPRA, which says we have to keep unaccompanied minors from outside of Mexico, and then asylum process. That's what they should be focusing on. All right, Mark Morgan, appreciate all the work that you've done over the years and also telling the American people the truth. And as we continue, let's get back to our phones. Well, hang on. I'm being told we have a special guest calling in. Uh-oh. That can only mean one thing. That that has to be the great one. Thank me. God bless us. How am I? Mark Levin. Life, Liberty. Levin, sir, how are you? I'm great. Does that mean if I come to New York, I get $15,000? Yeah, but <laughs> by the way, if you come to New York, you'd actually melt. You wouldn't. You would. I. I you. You literally. Your heart palpitations just from the pressure of paying the tax bill would be enough to run you right out of town and and away from the border. I, now here's, I, here's the thing, Sean. There's a lot of people who want to get out of New York and can't afford to get out of New York, or they have a family member in New York. What is happening is so terrible that here in the United States, people are actually leaving where they grew up, where they want to stay, 
because of the tyranny of the Democrats. It, it is absolutely shocking. And we actually have people, I talk to them all the time, who say, once they destroy the country, where are we going to go? Which is exactly why I've decided to call this what it is, call them what they are, and do a whole book on the whole subject, to be perfectly honest with you. So, Mark Levin, it's not a secret that we're best friends, and uh, I love Mark. He's like a brother to me, and he 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 always wants to tell me what he's working on because he's always writing. And you got to go to Mark's house when he's writing a book. You've never seen anything like it in your life. Imagine one of the biggest rooms in your house, and every single inch there's not even a space to walk without stepping on a massive pile of research that he has. I don't know. I mean, you do it like the, you know, a crazy, you know, brilliant professor. But that's how you write your books. I've watched you do it over the years, and you keep saying, "Well, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the title of my book," but you can't say it. You can't blurt it out. And I'm like, "Don't tell me," because I can't help myself. I have a big mouth. So I've it's been. Not, it's keeping... not that it's not that you have a big mouth. It's that you want to be helpful, and you might blurt it out too early. No, I, I just I it could come flying out of my mouth. I'll have to dump myself on TV. I can't dump myself. So Mark has been working on this now for quite a while, and he's given me little hints about where the direction it's going. Um, and now, since we've had a chance to talk about it, he unveiled the cover to me last night. We actually tweeted it out earlier today. It's up on Hannity.com, too, with a link to Amazon. And what you tell me about this book, I think it's it, it might be, and you've had many, you know, what, six number one New York Times bestselling books now, that hey, it might down. be the most powerful of all of them. And it's called American Marxism with a hammer and a sickle on the cover in your name. Here's the thing. I called it American Marxism. I had fiddled around with other titles, but I decided we got to call this exactly what it is. And that's what it is. And so what I've done in this book, which actually goes on sale immediately, pre-orders on Amazon right now, it's available July 13th, and I moved up the publication date as fast as I could because I want us to, to save our country. The only way we can save our country is by going on offense. And so the book is the most important and pivotal book I've ever written. It's also the longest book I've ever written. It is... You told me last night over 80,000 words. Over 80,000 words. And, uh, and then I had a, you know, it's a very tough topic. When I get into what's happening to the cops, I get into critical race theory. There's something called critical gender theory. There's something called critical immigration theory. Black Crick, it's called. Uh, I want people to know where this ideology comes from. I want to know uh, how it's people to know how it's spreading. Uh, I want people to know uh, what we can actually do about it. The entire end of the book, 10,000 words, talks about ideas for how we engage. And I... The sentence I use, you know, at the end of the Communist Manifesto, Marx says, workers of the world unite. And I say, patriots of America unite. And so this is, uh, this is, this, this book is scholarly. It's substantive. It's activist, because you know I'm an activist. And I'm hoping it'll catch on fire like liberty and tyranny when we have the rise of the Tea Party movement. We need a rise of a pushback movement now. We need to defend and save our cops. We need to defend and save our border. We need to defend and save our economic system. Uh, we need to confront Black Lives Matter and Antifa. We need to move them out of our classrooms. Uh, and this is what I discuss in the book. It, it's, it, and, and also, as I say, the, who are these theoreticians who've been pushing this? Where's all this occurring? And so forth. So this has taken me, as you know, Sean, when you call me, I say, I got to go. An enormous amount of effort, an enormous amount of time. Uh, 
uh, to do the research, to do the investigation, to write the book. It doesn't come out until July 13th. But the reason it's on Amazon today, this is what I wanted to tell you. I don't know, but I'm guessing there's going to be heavy pushback and cancel culture and efforts at censorship. So I don't say this uh, just to say it, but the more pre-orders I can get up front, the harder it's going to be to try and, and, and crush this thing. I'm not going to allow it to get crushed. I have a big platform. We all do. But that's why pre-orders are so important here, so people can say, oh, my God, this book about American Marxism, because that's what it is. In America, we have the spread of Marxism, not democratic socialism, not progressivism. It's Marxism. So it's up on Hannity.com right now. Um, if you want to get an early first edition copy and it's on all my social media, Hannity.com, it's on at Sean Hannity on Twitter and and our other social platforms. And, uh, I can't wait to actually read it. I know you're going to give me an early copy. It sounds like this is it, Mark. 2022 matters. 2024 matters. And, uh, I'm looking forward to reading all, I love all your books. I learn from all your books, and uh, I appreciate you sharing it with us. And uh, you're going to be on the air in just a few minutes, by the way. We'll be listening to you, too. This is the precipice. We're looking into the abyss. This is the throwdown. This is the throwdown. Mm-hmm. Number the wine. You're breaking up bumming us, my brother. Um, thank you. Uh, it's called, and right now you can see it on Hannity.com, American Marxism. God help this country. I'll tell you that. It's going to take all hands on deck. Every one of you I deputize as a spoke in the wheel to save this great constitutional republic. Uh, All right. When we come back, your call's coming up for the final half hour of the the program today. And uh, the Mark Show, of course, on many of these uh, stations follows. Quick break. Right back. All right. 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program So we have uh, now for many, many years been highlighting the good work of Project Veritas and its founder and its CEO, James O'Keefe. And I mean, he just I mean, it seems with every expose and every tape undercover tape he has, I mean, it just gets deeper and deeper in terms of exposing the absolute corruption of, you know, big tech companies, the media mob and the left in this country. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger, and it's now taken on a life of its own. People are volunteering constantly and willing to work for Project Veritas undercover, and it's been incredibly successful. Uh, They recently had this huge New York Supreme Court decision that allows discovery in their lawsuit against the New York Times. Uh, They announced their lawsuit against at Jack at Twitter, and they just announced today that, yep, Another defamation lawsuit, this time against fake news, CNN, and here's the announcement. Today we're filing a lawsuit against CNN for defamation. Just last week we sued Twitter for defamation, and all of this comes off the heels of our win in the New York State Supreme Court in a historic motion granting us discovery into the New York Times in a defamation action after they called us deceptive. But let's get back to CNN and why we're filing suit. On February 11th, Twitter permanently banned Project Veritas for allegedly, quote, posting other people's private information. Even Congressman Crenshaw pointed this out in a hearing with CEO Jack Dorsey. Mr. Dorsey, in just one example, I saw a video of from Project Veritas that was taken down because they confronted a Facebook executive on his front lawn. But here's the thing. I can show you a video of CNN doing the exact same thing 
to an old woman who was a Trump supporter in her front yard. All right, James O'Keefe is uh, checking in with us. Uh, why don't you just tell the story of what really happened here um, and and where you are taking this suit and where do you think it's going to end and why you believe that the high standard of Times v. Sullivan, which we've talked about now a few times, that actual malice can be proven, which means you can get discovery, which means you can actually win the lawsuit. Um, why do you think that applies here? Well, thank you, Sean, for having me on again. Yeah, we just sued CNN in federal court in Northern District of Georgia. What happened was Twitter banned both Project Veritas and myself personally. So this lawsuit stems from what happened uh, February 15th, where uh, CNN's Anna Cabrera said on the air that Project Veritas was, quote, banned for spreading disinformation. That is not true. Even Twitter uh, said we were not banned for that reason. Uh, Twitter said we were uh, banned because we had violated this guy's privacy rights by confronting him in the street, something that reporters do all the time. In fact, CNN's Drew Griffin confronted a private resident in the st- on her lawn and didn't blur the number on her house. So Anna Cabrera, a host at CNN, said this, that we were uh, the Twitter was suspending us because of our uh, spreading disinformation. So, Sean, we're suing uh, her and CNN for defamation, and we believe that this is a pretty open-shut case to get past this motion to dismiss. And then Sean will be able to depose and go through discovery in a defamation lawsuit against CNN. And for those of you who think that I'm not serious about this or this is a publicity stunt, uh, this comes right off the heels of our win against the New York Times and getting discovery into the New York Times. Now the New York Times is required by law to respond to our allegations as we barrel towards a jury trial, a historic series of events, libel lawsuits against the media, Sean. is the only way I think we can defeat the fake news. I applaud everything you're doing, and you've been very, very clear that you're not in the mode that you're ever going to settle. You're going to take this, these cases as far as you can. You have uh, great lawyers now, apparently part of the Project Veritas team uh, that are as committed as you are. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I just look at the history. There's only eight times that the courts have ruled that, in fact, actual malice looks like it could be proven. And, and your case now is one of them against The New York Times. That is a that is historic in its own right. The idea that you're going to have discovery with The New York Times, along with Governor Palin, to be fair, her case got the same result. It just shows now that this is how bad they have become. And I I think it's important that, you know, be interesting to see. um, I would assume these tapes are going to be videotaped, these depositions. And um, I think in discovery, I think a lot of things uh, are going to come to light. That may shock uh, a lot of people, won't shock you, won't shock me, but it will shock some people and make them realize that they really are political entities at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and, and Sean, to your point about the actual malice standard, that is the standard. You have to prove that the statements were made with, quote, reckless disregard of whether they were false or not. And you can only prove that by going through the discovery process. Anna Cabrera of CNN had tweeted out on February the 11th that, uh, she tweeted out that Project Veritas was banned for, uh, uh, for uh, private information, violating Twitter's rules on sharing people's private information. We were confronting this Facebook vice president in the street, residential community. So this tweet by Anna Cabrera shows this malice. It shows that she went on the air 
And then she said we're banned for promoting disinformation, which just is false. It's a false statement. It's a malicious statement. We'll get past this motion to dismiss. And, and the New York Times had said, I'm going to quote the judge here, quote, the facts submitted by Veritas could indicate more than standard garden variety media bias. Remind your audience that what happened in the New York Times case is the New York Times uh, said that I was deceptive disinformation making claims without evidence, and then Facebook banned our videos because of what the New York Times wrote. And the New York Times defense in that case was that they were making a, quote, unverifiable expression of opinion, unquote. So this is insane. The New York Times is saying that their news reporting is mere opinion incapable of being judged true or false, and the big tech companies are taking down our videos because of the New York Times' statements that they are now saying weren't even true, they were just opinion. So this is just a vortex of propaganda and defamation, and it's high time someone starts suing these people, which is what Project Veritas is doing now against CNN, Twitter, and the New York Times. And I think there's going to be dozens of plaintiffs that come out of the woodwork. I just need your all support to fund all this litigation because I won't settle, Sean. I'm going all the way to a jury verdict, and we need your financial support. We're a tax-exempt charitable organization, so we take donations to pay for all these legal bills. All right, Project Veritas founder, CEO, now suing not only the New York Times, Twitter, but now fake news, CNN. We'll be following this case very, very closely. Uh, Thank you, James O'Keefe. Appreciate it. We wish you the best, and we'll be following it the whole way. Thank you, Sean. All right, let's get to our phones. We have standing by Russell is in North Carolina. Russell, hi. How are you? Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. The attacks on the latest attack on law enforcement in the 109 precinct in Queens, New York. I don't know if you saw that, Sean. Yeah, I have seen it, and we got another video, and we'll show it on on Hannity tonight. And you have a New York uh, Police Department detective blindsided in a random street attack uh, and and other examples. Now, it's basically a daily occurrence in New York. Thank God you got the hell out of there. By the way, 75% increase in NYPD officers retiring or just getting off the force, not wanting any part of this anymore. Absolutely. Sean, when I retired, there were 200 people filing for retirement. Now you have over 5,000 in New York City leaving a job that they love. They love to do. They were there to serve and protect the public. But because of the politicians and the mayor and the politics that are playing part in law enforcement, these good guys are leaving, and it's only going to open the city to the bad people to take over. Uh, every cop I've ever known in my life, including family members, it's to them, for them, in almost every case, it's not a job, it's a calling. It's, 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 it is their profession, their passion to do a dangerous job every day and, you know, to have to consider even giving it up because of the, the political atmosphere created by the left and by elected officials is so sad and that they don't have these guys backs. Now they want to take it to the point where every criminal will sue a police officer. There'll be no indemnification and these cops will have to hire their own lawyers. You and I both know that nobody can be a cop under those conditions that will dismantle every police department in the country. Nobody will be a cop. It's impossible. Nobody will be able to afford to every criminal will sue every time they're arrested. Absolutely, Sean. I've been indemnified numerous times doing my job, doing it the proper way with New York City. Now that they're taking that away, the cops are going to think twice or maybe three times before they even act. 
to save a life or to save or to save someone from being injured. They're not going to take the job. They're going to find other professions, and I don't blame them at Absolutely. all. And the, the shame about it is these are great people who want to serve, Sean. They love yeah. what they do. They do it for a reason. Well, thank you for your service, and everything you say is right on target. Thank you, Russell. Appreciate it. Uh, let's say hi to Megan is in Alabama. What's up, Megan? How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. How yes, are you ma'am. today? I'm good. Thank you. Um, good. I'm a correctional officer, and, you know, I just keep thinking, what in the world is going on with these people talking about defunding the police and, you know, prisons? I'm like, what are they going to do, just release them all and let's just live in the wild, wild west again? You know, like, what is going on? Uh, by the way, you know my mom was a prison guard and I do. a corrections officer. Yeah. Yes. Um, by the way, it's not an easy job. And and when it's she did it, she was working not. like 16-hour shifts, seven days a week. It was nuts. Um, you have yes. a very hard job. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, in a very weird way, it might end up with your job being easier. As, you know, they empty the prisons and or if they have these insane no bail laws like they have in New York and they implement them nationwide, God help everybody. It's you're, you're right. I mean, look, you know, look, you know, more than anybody. Some people are just evil. Some people they are they, they, they need to be kept from civil society because they're not capable of being a part of civil society. You know, that's I'm, right. I read this one case uh, today. I saw some story about one guy, you know, involved in a uh, in an incident with the cops had like a rap sheet that was, you know, over 100 pages. It's not a shock when you let hardened criminals out on the streets. You know, you don't have to be an MIT graduate, Harvard graduate to figure out, yeah, that's not going to work out well. Exactly. And I work in the tower, actually, too. So. Um, oh that's another part of my job. Exactly. That was kind of, Oh boy. If anyone tries to I run, well, what, yeah. what is the policy if somebody tries to run? Cause I've, I have a, a pretty, <laughs> I have an image that you have a, a long rifle with a scope on it and you're probably a marksman. Yes. I, um, they have to be going through the fence under the fence or actually climbing over before I can do anything. But this is the other thing. Um, and we've been talking about the girl with the stabbing and everything, you know, if, if like per se, let's say they're on the rec yard and somebody tries to stab another inmate, um, or an officer, I'm allowed, you know, to do that. So, um, to shoot, you know, but um, you would wait till what point wouldn't the person have to actually be out of the prison grounds at that point? Well, pretty much they have to be either going through it under or over. Okay. So but you don't yeah, you don't ever much. want to. Do you, have you ever had an Have you ever had a moment where you had to do this? Because I bet it's something you don't want to do. It's definitely something I don't want to do because obviously they have to take the same precaution. I mean, the same as if somebody killed somebody. You know, I'd have to go into investigation and all that kind of stuff. I have not had to do that. Um, however, there's been an instance where you know somebody was holding like a knife to somebody's throat and. You know, all the staff is going to this one oh, dorm, man. and I'm sitting there like, wow, I, got, I actually got the gun out, but I didn't have to pull it. But I thought, if they run out and they're attacking my officers, I'm going to have yeah. to do what I have to do. 
You know what I mean? So no, it's not. So, you no, know, you, you don't want to ever have to do that, and and that's what no. makes it a really. I, I'm guessing you work in a maximum security prison. Am I wrong? Well, I'm in about a medium. We uh, kind of have a lot of psychological people, and I'm in Florida too. I live in Alabama. I'm, I'm two miles from the uh, state line, so um, I'm in. Florida, I bet you've been to the Florida once or twice. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm just short on time. Well, listen, I'm, um, obviously, I admire what you do, and I saw how hard my my mom worked in that profession, and I wish you the best. Please be safe, and I uh, hope that never happens. Right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled, though. Uh, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Hope you set your DVR. You're going to meet a police officer from the LAPD who actually wrote LeBron James a letter, an African-American officer. Uh, this is going to be pretty interesting. Also tonight, Mike Pompeo on this John Kerry situation. Lindsey Graham will weigh in on that. Laura Trump, Monica Crowley, Leo 2.0, Joe, Joe Concha, Dan Bongino. All right, so we'll see you tonight at 9. As always, thank you for being with us. And we'll be back here, God willing, tomorrow. Have a great night. We'll see you tonight at 9. Back here tomorrow.